Here's one of them. Hi, Sophia. You're on mute. You're also on mute, Huber. Hey! Amateurs. Hi. Oh, oh wow, Huber's got like a background. Got. Sorry, I use a Zoom for school. Let me, <laughs> that's why I have my pronouns here as well. Oh, I think I have mine. Do I have mine? I did, Veronica, come on. Uh, here, you know. why do I change my name, rename? Here. Put your G-Don pronouns up. There we go. There we go. Okay. It's our first case files. Huber, put your hands up. Come on. He's the least enthused out of all of us. I know. Which is such a stark contrast from how he is on the actual episodes. You know, you can't get him to stop laughing. I know. In the last one, I was listening back and I was like, Huber, called silence. And I was like, oh God, I sound really mean. No, it's okay. I really laugh when nothing is funny. Like nothing is funny. And I'm just giggling that. Well, thanks. Way, way to offend everyone in one go. Okay. So, hello. Um, did someone's phone go off? God damn yeah. it. You have to turn your phone off. Um, uh, hello, listeners or viewers, as this is a video episode. Um, if you're listening on a podcast app, just FYI, you can get the video version of this case files episode by going to YouTube. This is our first one. We do this every cycle, which is every time we all write a chapter, we come in and we pick apart what we've done so far and we do our segments. So if you've listened to the episodes, you know, Veronica has a segment on writing, Huber has a segment on medicine, and I just read out the fan mail we get and we discuss it and answer questions. But one thing we do first, which I'm really excited about, is we each bring a talisman or a prop or a costume to each case files related to the first three chapters. So who wants to go first to introduce their talisman for the case files episode? I vote Huber goes first. Okay, yeah. Okay. I brought this homemade snow globe that has a pine cone in it or a pine tree or an evergreen tree in it because we're set in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's the biggest cop-out ever. I bet you just found that and we're like, I need a prop. Hey, okay, it, is I, that true? Yes, but <laughs> it works, it works. Oh no. It's, well, it's good to remind the viewer of the setting because when we started this way back when, we thought this was taking place in the Midwest and then we had like a, a, a mid-series change. So it's good just to remind everyone where we are. So I thought that was great, Huber. Okay. Thank you, Huber. Well done. Thank you. Veronica, what did you bring? Okay, well, this, the, the, I have a talisman, but first I would just like to introduce my tea mug because it has like oh. a mustache and a goatee on it. And this is exactly how I imagine Signora Romanzo's fake mm -hmm. facial hair mentioned in the first episode. But that's not my talisman. My talisman is over there because it's too heavy. So let me... So this is the candlestick that the Countess <laughs> stole from the church, for which she was then imprisoned. And then when she tried to escape, she was shot, I think, nine times in the back. So it's actually in the in the <laughs> or in the chapter, it's just mentioned being a candlestick. But mine comes with a fancy sparkly candle. So that is oh my, my talisman. And I did my makeup purposefully kind of dark and sinister, so I look like the Countess. So oh my God, bro! So that's mine. Okay, that makes sense why she was shot. Did you buy life. that or is that in your house? This, this is in my house. It's, uh, it's, oh. it holds up my books. So, because it's very. My next question was, or did you steal it from a church? Well, <laughs> well, maybe before it was in my house, I stole it from a church because 
back in the day, I did used to be quite Catholic. So you did, yes. Maybe I got it from there. You don't know. You don't. We'll just and leave you won't admit it. Uh, question for the reader to fill in as they want. So that's mine. But how about okay. you? Yeah. Well, I have, and mine is gluten free, mm. so it's food. Well, I guess yours are gluten free as well. Um, but <laughs> but my, I have saltines. And prune juice. Oh, yay. Good. We'll have great digestive help on this episode. Clear your bowels straight out. And I actually have a secret reveal that I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it at the end of the episode so people have to watch all the way through. But I have a secret surprise related to my saltines and prune juice later. Well, I am intrigued, and that's, that's enough to keep me on the call. Yeah, exactly. So keep listening. I think, so on my rundown, it says introduce talisman slash props, tick. Now, quick summary. So I don't know how we want to do this. Should we like just read out? Well, should we just do, uh, you do your episode, Hubert does his episode, I do my episode? Yeah, I feel like that's, that's a good way to All do right, it. All right, then. So uh, that's like, off, then? okay, so we've written the whole story. So we know what to like shout out to make you, like to keep you remembering important characters and events and stuff. So my chapter, Welcome to Mole Town, you, we started out at the carnival. There are a lot of details, most of which aren't important, but all you need to remember is that there's Signor Romanzo, who's a bit of a creepy serial killer lonely man. There's the Countess Wellington of Wellington, who was shot in the back nine times for stealing the aforementioned candlesticks. Um, there's Matthias, who's like a creepy sort of um, like handyman. Leviticus, who's a mechanic slash secretary, because he's in, in charge of like getting the permits for the traveling carnival. Oh my God, there are so many people. There's Wilhelmina, who we said was a gawky orphan and later becomes the chair of a computer science department. He was losing it. At the um, young age of 17 or something. At the spray young age, yes. Um, but she's a fortune teller and later we see more of that, but she's a fortune teller at the carnival. And then the important other people to remember who are no longer there. Actually, wait, one of them's there. Um, this is so confusing. There's a lot. There's a lot. Okay, just, okay, just remember, there's Caleb Munkatossen, and he goes off a flying swing and dies. There's Eleanor Sphinx, who's in a fire in a caravan, and she was the chef at the carnival, and she dies in the fire, but she has a daughter who's mute and doesn't have a tongue, who is still there, but she can't say anything. She's very quiet. And now she does like the cooking. I think that's everyone. So that's the carnival. Yep. There's also a neighborhood watch organization called the BDSM, which is the board of the district of suburban mole town. And in it are two Karens called Wendy Willoughby and Alicia Alatoza. They love Pino and they don't love the carnival. And they find Wendy's daughter, Clara, dead in her bedroom with a knife through the heart. Well, we don't know when... that yet. Oh, we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. She's... Okay, she's dead in her bedroom. Um, and uh, basically, the chapter ends with a dashing, sexy, Patrick Dempsey-ish police inspector called George Golfini turning up at Signor Romanzo's caravan, trying to arrest him for the murder of Clara Willoughby. But Signor Romanzo disappears in a flash and Golfini and his trusty German shepherd, Elaine, who is very important, um, 
they are left flummoxed. And that is how my chapter ends. And Huber picks up in a completely different direction. So why don't you <laughs> fill us in there, Huber? Yeah, I will want to, I do want to say, we've been saying, you know, Wilhelmina 17, blah, blah, blah. But when I wrote the chapter, I really forgot that she was an orphan. So I made her 30. I made her 30 years old. No. <laughs> you also made her like curvaceous and like kind of sexy. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so I, I would like to delete that sentence. <laughs> I would like to delete the chapter if I could, but I can't. Oh, we can't. It's a little late for that now, Huber, because you threw us a complete curveball at the end that we have to mop up towards the very end of the series, so it's a little late. I was editing chapter 26 earlier, and I was just like, oh my god, we're still trying to iron out the whole age discrepancy, and it still doesn't work! (laughs) Anyways, okay, sorry, keep going. Um, But anyway, so we see Wilhelmina, she's a chair of this computer science department at Claremont University, the town's university and that's not the real claremont university because there is one of those but it's also spelled differently so nobody can get us Uh, (laughs) and and wilhelmina goes to her car she drives home and she hears a news report of clara's death and she realizes that romanzo is the one behind it and romanzo hops into the car magically like they have a little discussion and he tells her to remember the saltines and prune juice. Oh, oh! You know, Sophia's brought today and still has not actually been resolved. And we're on chapter 29. And I'm going to let you know both now. I wrote chapter 29 and I still have not resolved that. So good <laughs> luck to Veronica. <laughs> we spent the whole time pretending we've written the whole book and you've just revealed accidentally that we haven't finished the book yet. Oh, <laughs> a little whistleblower. <laughs> we do have one chapter left to write, but Veronica's but, but keeping let it. Let me as a just surprise. say, there's a reason we're holding off. We're hoping to do a reunion in person, so it's yes. not that we've just been lazy and not wanting to do it. We're trying to wait until we can see each other. I uh, yes. do a big old bonanza around it, so. The grand finale. Yes. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll come, we'll come and it'll be a huge, spectacular event. Yes. Okay. But they have a little powwow. He tells her to find the red moleskin. Then she goes to the carnival. Golfini's also there. They have a little discussion. It's revealed that they went on a date. Because <laughs> I thought she was 30. <laughs> um, but now it's just creepy. And what do I look like? <laughs> creepy. But anyway, he leaves, she runs in, can't find the moleskin, then it transitions to two weeks later. Six weeks later. Six weeks later. Six weeks later. (laughs) Ruby Red going up to Christopher Kandel's house, who is the chief of surgery at Moultown Memorial Hospital, and they have a little powwow, and it turns sexual. She handcuffs him to the bed, they're like, you know, going at it. And then she chokes him to death. I listened to that episode with my mom in the car mm-hmm. and the part where he's like, choke me a little. My mom was like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> she was like, not, she not- was so upset. No, that's a sign of good writing. It's supposed to evoke something from, from the listener slash reader. So yeah. good on you, Huber. 
Yeah, well, you were my mum's favourite until you started writing porn, and then she was like, oh, oh, I say. That's exactly how the Countess sounds. It is. Oh my God. Your mom should cosplay as the Countess. I think I actually based the Countess on her without realising. I mean, her accent is very posh, so. It is. She sounds yeah. like a very refined lady. Everything mm. under and we have a lot of candlesticks in our house. I do wonder where they all came from. Oh dear, Jojo. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, Hubert. Keep going. Oh no, that's it. That's all that happened. <laughs> Not that much actually happened. No, no, no. At the end, at the end of that chapter, she like leaves Christopher Candell's apartment and calls oh, Wilhelmina. Right. Ruby Red calls Wilhelmina and is like, it's time to do your part of the deal. And Wilhelmina's like, you got it. And then they drive off. And so that uh, then led into chapter three, which I wrote. And I'll just say that I I know it was published like a week ago. I only listened to it this morning and it is not as bad as I remembered. So I don't know why everyone is giving me a hard time about it. It's really not that bad. Who's giving you a hard time? Also, maybe it's related to editing. You guys are giving me a hard time. You guys are laughing at my antiquated way of speech, at my... I don't know what you're laughing at, but you guys were giving me a hard time. It's really not that bad. But we start with a bit of backstory. We learn that Wilhelmina, long, long ago, actually not that long, considering she's only uh, 17 years old, about nine, 10 years ago, she was an orphan at Vanderlyle Asylum, which is situated on, in like the outskirts of Moletown. It is portrayed as this very dilapidated, a dark place with very little funds. And we actually learned that the Willoughby family is one of the last patrons of the asylum. So the patrons are dwindling away uh, and soon the, 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 the orphanage is going to be destitute. And we actually learned that through this um, sponsorship, that is how Clara and Wilhelmina met. And they were actually quite close friends throughout their childhood. Uh, but actually, I don't know if we learned this or not in this chapter, but I think uh, Wendy didn't want them hanging out or something. Uh, and so maybe in their adult lives, they started to drift apart or something. But Wilhelmina was an orphan. That's where she met Clara. Uh, but then one day the orphanage burnt to the ground. And because there were no funds to uh, restore it, all the orphans were either sent out to new um, homes or they were turned out into the streets. And we learn that while Wilhelmina is, tr- is sitting, waiting to figure out what her fate will be, a man named Leviticus, the aforementioned Leviticus from the carnival, comes by and tells Wilhelmina to come with him. So that's how we learn how Wilhelmina got to uh, the carnival. She was an orphan and then she was adopted, I guess adopted, either adopted or kidnapped. I don't know if this deal was really legal, uh, but then she went off with, with Leviticus and joined the carnival. So then back to the present day, uh, Wilhelmina's sulking, she's grieving the loss of her friend, and she wants some answers. She wants to figure out what happened to Clara. So she goes to Clara's house where there are a bunch of uh, news vans parked out, and she learns from one of the reporters that Clara has actually been stabbed through the heart. We learn that uh, the glass on her window was not broken. We learn that the window was locked from the inside. And we also learn that the blade of the knife, it was broken off in the scuffle, but the blade remained inside her body. And that is how the murder is portrayed. Uh, and then there's just one final section, which I don't know if 
it's that important because nobody has really touched on it. But then we were, we go back to the orphanage at present day and we find a man named Lysander Day Avett, who is the host of a TV show on an HGTV like uh, channel where basically he finds old rundown buildings and he restores them to a new glory. And he wants to buy, um, the orphanage from a realtor named Sherry Sharon uh, and, and do something with it on his TV show. And that is where my chapter leaves off. Not the most cliffhangery place, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all for chapter three. We never really touched on the HGTV angle oh, of the story no. again. What was your intention with well, that? I was kind of hoping that like in um, buying this orphanage and trying to restore it, you would find some kind of damning clue or evidence or something, something kind of creepy or, that's not supposed to be there. I don't, I guess with, in relation to Wilhelmina since she was the one who lived there, but I think I was just hoping for something to be uncovered in there. But it did not happen. It did not well, happen. Later, later they do find something in there that they're looking for. That, I, guess, I suppose six. that is true. That is true. But it was not the, the angle I was originally hoping yeah. for. Uh, but okay. that's where I was going and it did not come to fruition like so many other things in the podcast. Podcast. Okay. Well, that's the quick summary. And now I'm going to move on to my segment Veronica, do you want to say it in your Wendy Willoughby voice? <clears throat> to the proprietor. Amazing. Okay, so I have some fan mail, some feedback from people around the globe, mainly the UK, some America, that would like to share their thoughts with what's been going on. Is that okay. mean feedback? I don't want to hear it if it's mean feedback. Well, I have some mean feedback. It's mainly good. So I'm going to save the mean one till the end. Okay. <laughs> or should I do the mean one first? No, no, save the mean one to the end. Okay. All right. So we've got Spencer from New York who oh. says, Veronica, this is particularly good for you. Wow. Episode three. Good stuff, gang. VGT's head hopping horror versus Huber's joy at the 19th century dialogue written for a seven year old. Sophia was good too. On a day where I didn't leave the house, it felt like I got to hang out with friends. Oh, thanks, Spencer from New York. That's very generous That's of you. Very nice. Spencer appreciates my artistic liberties. Yeah. So I also have Jake from Dublin who says, I loved it. And I remembered to say ding, ding, ding. Well done. Oh, That's great. I didn't know Jake um, was in Dublin. Yeah, he, he works in Dublin now and I shouldn't say where, but he does. Oh, um, and he's... Definitely a listener we picked up through great marketing, not a listener we picked up because we're, I'm his cousin. Um, Nikki from London says, just listen to your podcast. It is amazing. You guys are so talented and I love the chemistry between you. I'd also, listen, listen to this, I'd also happily buy any book you write. Your style is right up my streets. Oh, that's great. Well, if she likes, you know, mysteries, police procedurals, creepy Things that don't make sense. sense. Yeah, I think it's great. So, dear listener, if you too feel like this is right up your street, stay tuned. There shall be a hard copy in the future. Definitely. Um, so, Lucy from Birmingham says, I love Art Frat Rejects. Hilarious. Ha ha. Always listen to it in the bath. That sounds weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's no better place. I mean, you name a better place to listen. Yeah. Um, so that's nice that we're there with a naked person just laughing around. And then this one's from my mother. So Joanna from Hong Kong says, the plot has more holes than a colander. 
but I think Huber has a really nice voice. Oh, is that the mean one? No, this is the good one. We haven't hit the mean one yet. Oh. I'll do the mean one now. This is the last one. This is the mean one. And it's from my dad who says, I couldn't listen after 15 minutes. Too much inside jokes, many, too much inside jokes and interrupting each other. Hard to focus on story after 15 minutes, but you and the other girl have nice voices. <laughs> so I think, I think um, my mum likes Huber and my dad likes the other girl. Well, I, well, on the one hand, that's nice because uh, I kind of hate my voice. So it's nice to have validation that it's not as horrible as I think. Um, but on the other hand, honestly, I would much prefer to be Jojo's favorite than your dad's favorite. Oh no, he's gonna listen to this and I'm Oh no! Don't, don't, don't send it to him. I don't want him to be upset with me and no longer be even his favorite. Luckily, we're already past the 15 minute mark, so he's not listening anymore. Oh, thank God. Whew. Okay, so on that note, we're moving on to our next segment the best crowbar vote. Oh, so. Dear viewers slash listeners, if you don't know, we do this competition where we vote on the best person, the best crowbar, which is the phrases we use, the ding, ding, dings, who inserted them into the prose the most seamlessly. We also do a vote for the best acting vote and a vote for the best writing vote. And whoever wins gets to name the book and start season two. So we are going to vote now, guys, on the best crowbar. Moment of so, should we Just send our right. Zoom call? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't live right now, Huber. <laughs> the only I person listening. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, between us. Can you send out a Zoom poll? I don't use Zoom that oh, much. Oh, poll, poll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Add a question. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. It's taking oh, this is cool internet. technology. Okay, you do that, BGT. Uh, I'd just like to refresh everyone's memory of what the crowbars were. Um, mine was sweet cinnamon cucumber buns, and I saw it coming like a train in the night. So sweet cinnamon cucumber buns was used as like the snack food of the carnival and I saw it coming like a train in the light night was the opening line that Wendy used when she talks about her husband's affair. Then Huber had singing fairy lights and grab the saltines and prune juice and he basically decorated Christopher Candell's apartment like a college student with singing fairy lights. Um, and then said, when you hear the phrase, grab the saltines and prune juice, you'll know what to do, which is a total cop out, just gonna say. And then Veronica had swagged up ovaries and you can't bake a cake if the batter's with the devil. And she used swag up, swagged up ovaries from Lysander Day Avert's perspective to describe Sherry Sharon. And then she used, you can't bake a cake if the batter's with the devil as through Clara that, to say yeah. that when Wendy said that phrase and Clara wasn't quite sure what it meant. So those are the crowbars that we did. Oh, wow. Okay. I launched that a poll. How do, wait, wait, but we can't, don't vote for everything yet. Just oh, vote for the crowbar. Uh, so I don't know <laughs> if I can vote in the poll. Oh. I, I, can, I don't know <laughs> if I can vote should in we, the poll. Should we just say it? Should we just yeah, say what we think? It's too complicated. Okay, let's not do the poll. poll. Okay, we'll just say... Are we allowed to vote for ourselves is a question. Well, apparently you guys are allowed to vote for yourself, but I am not allowed to vote for myself. Yeah, because you'll just keep voting for yourself regardless. You can vote for yourselves, yeah. Okay, anyone can vote for themselves, but vote objectively, guys. Yes. Well, I'm going to vote very objectively, so should I give my answer for uh, 
for Crowbar? Yes. I'm actually going to vote for you, Sophia, but this was more of a process of elimination because Huber was a total cop-out with the prone juice and the saltines, and people didn't like my swagged-up ovaries, even though I had no problem with them. So I guess by default, I'll vote for Sophia. No problem with swagged-up ovaries. <laughs> I like swagged-up ovaries. I like it in, in, in the pros, so uh, I'll thought... vote Sophia. Okay. Well, I don't... Okay. Huber... I'm sorry, but the saltines and produce was a total friggin' cop out. Um, singing fairy lights, I give it like a seven out of ten. So right now you score seven out of twenty. Um, Veronica, I liked um, I liked swagged up ovaries to describe Sherry Sharon, so I'm giving that a nine out of ten. But then with the you can't bake a cake if the batter's with the devil, it seemed a little forced because it was oh, like you because Clara said it and then. Wilhelmina was like, what? And then Clara was like, I don't know, my mum just says it, which feels a bit cop-outy. But I explained it, and Wendy is such, like, a cliche figure of speech kind of person. And honestly, I felt like I had to explain it because you gave it, and nobody would have known what it meant. <laughs> well, well, so then I was thinking of my own, and I was like, I saw it coming like a train in the night was, okay, maybe an eight out of ten. And sweet cinnamon cucumber buns was, I think, great. And it's yeah. become an institution at the carnival. So I'm giving myself a 10 out of 10. So that leaves Huber with 7 out of 20, me with 18 out of 20. And Veronica, you got a 9 for the swagged up ovaries. And you know what? I'm going to give you a 9.2. Oh, oh. You can't make a cake of the madness of the devil. Because I'm playing the long game and I don't want to vote for myself. Otherwise, you guys are going to like gang up against me in future cycles. So you're probably going to vote for think... yourself for best actor and best writing too. So Exactly. So Huber, are you going to break a tie or are you going to vote for yourself and make this a three-way tie? No, I'm voting for Veronica. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to say because of the, the the battle with the devil. Yes, we made fun of it in the chapter, but a seven-year-old would hear that and be like, yeah, you can't pick a, t- a cake if the battle's with the devil. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just for parroting what an adult says. Okay, congratulations, Veronica. You won Best Crowbar of the Cycle. That's good, because I'm not winning uh, Best Writing, so. Well, you don't know that. No, well, I'm not voting for myself. Well, speaking of best writing, now it's time for our creative writing segment, VG Tips. Yay! And it is the inaugural episode. So this is basically where I just come at you uh, and give you creative writing tips because I am such an authority having published nothing and taken a total of one creative writing class in my lifetime. One more Uh, than either of us. That is true. And I think uh, it is only natural that we start with head hopping since it is something that I have mentioned. You guys are so tired of hearing about it. We know, Veronica. Uh, But no, I've mentioned it several times in the cast already, uh, at least 10 times in my own episode, which just goes to show I should probably follow my own advice. But yes, we're going to talk about something they call in the biz, head hopping. And so admittedly, this might be like a pretty elementary tip. I don't know. I don't think I'm the best person necessarily to judge that, but it's an important thing to get down because if you're a serious writer, um, I mean, like the number of stories I've heard about people in the literary world, whether agents, publishers, editors, or whatever, the number of times they have singled out this head hopping phenomenon as being like the number one sign of an amateur writer, it's like, it's a lot to say the least. 
Um, so head hopping is basically, let's say, let's, you know, let's create a scene just for the sake of example. Let's say oh, we gosh. are in, I don't know, like an orphanage or something. And Original, okay. Yeah, I know. So original. And more specifically, let's say we have a conversation between two girls just for the sake of the example. Let's call them, I don't know, Clara and Wilhelmina, okay? Ooh, good so names. we have this scene. And at first, Clara is, say, observing it through her eyes. She's noticing things about the orphanage, about maybe the other girl, Wilhelmina. Uh, maybe in slightly antiquated terms, I am told, but, you know, that's okay. It just might be a unique thing about her voice. So there, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but then suddenly, with absolutely no transition, we shift from observing the scene from Clara's eyes and into Wilhelmina's. So suddenly, the reader is being told exactly what Wilhelmina thinks about the situation, rather than being allowed to infer it from her, her body language and dialogue and etc. And so that is what we called head hopping, or basically an omniscient point of view, when the author dips the reader into the consciousnesses of the various, re uh, the various characters in the scene. And so see, if you were reading something published in like the 19th century, it really wouldn't be a problem. Uh, because it's much more common. I'm thinking about like Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky is a serial head hopper. So it's, it was quite common back then to use like a, an omniscient narrator. Uh, but to our modern eyes and ears, it does read as quite antiquated. So basically pick up anything published within like the past 20 years, 99 times out of 100, it's going to be written either from a first person point of view or a third person, a close third, which basically means one narrator per scene. Um, and if I was going to rank how well we did with handling this head hopping phenomenon uh, in the three chapters we have written so far, I would give myself the lowest grade because I am constantly going back and forth between Clara's point of view and then Wilhelmina's in that aforementioned orphanage scene. Uh, I would then say maybe Sophia did the, the, the middle. Uh, you did all right with the Senor Romanzo in the beginning, but it kind of helps that he was literally the only person in the caravan, but you do start to have a couple issues with Wendy and Alicia. But actually, I was going over Huber's chapter last night, and he did perfect. He only had two scenes, but in the first scene, he stayed completely in Wilhelmina's point of view, and then he stayed completely in Ruby's in the second scene. So well done, Huber. But I would just like to say that I think I will certainly be getting the best. I know he's cheering. No, I, I will be. I will improve as time goes on because after my chapter twelve, I never head hop again. But until then, uh, do you need to be doing it quite a bit. Okay. So that is cool. my GT tip. I hope that made sense. Do you guys have any questions? No, like great. To, to show we were listening. Oh, okay. Yay. Yay. Okay. Now I have on the docket the best acting vote. <gasps> I haven't thought about this. So someone else go first. Oh, Do you, have, or do you like to? Okay. Oh, okay. Sophia. <laughs> oh, okay. Just like that. For what character? For just all of them? Wilhelmina, but I think it's, <laughs> you, know, you know that I love your, your Essex accent so much and it really cracks me up and I can't, and I can't just sit there and not laugh when you do it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so grateful. Should I do a speech? No, no, because I well, I'm also going to vote for you, but I'm going to do it for the character of uh, Romanzo. I think it is no small feat to pull off a Slavic accent, uh, and especially while singing. So good on you. I will also give you the points for that. Is anyone like writing these down? Oh, I should. Well, I can remember these. Okay, and I won't write down all the compliments I'm getting. It's fine. I'll just remember those. <laughs> well, there you go. So now it's your turn to vote, Sophia. Well, I feel like I've already won, so I can. 
just say what my heart truly feels. And that's, I know this is a bit of a curveball, but I think every competition needs a dark horse. I think that Veronica's radio announcer, Citizens of Motown, was like the Wizard of Oz munchkin. It lives in my brain, rent-free, to use the cool kids Gen Z term for it. It is just such a stupid voice. Oh, oh, okay. Citizens of Motown, Senor Romanzo. Nobody sees the wizard. Oh, oh my God, guys. I cannot believe it. Thank you. You're an actress. Um, so yeah, well done. But I also like Huber's line where he go, where he's Christopher Kendall. He goes, choke me a little. <laughs> well, it did, make it, when he it did make Jojo uncomfortable. So that, it, it made Jojo sense. Yeah, it was, it was evocative, Huber. It certainly Thank evoked emotion. Thank you. Um, oh. You know what, guys? My mum's out to dinner. She could walk through the door any minute and we could get a JoJo cameo. Oh, my God. Well, we oh just have visitors from time to time, so maybe. Yeah. maybe. She could be our first Case Files guest. I have no idea. Okay, well, thank you for the honour. Um, Huber, let's hope you win best writing so we all get a win this cycle. You know I won't. <laughs> well, Veronica just said you're the only person who didn't head hop, so we'll look see. at you, big boy. But before we plunge Huber into writing scrutiny, maybe we should plunge him into another kind of scrutiny, medical scrutiny. Ladies and gentlemen, may I please introduce Dr. Rod and his segment, Paging Dr. Rod. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Oh, I should, I'm not a doctor. I'm a medical student. Nobody <laughs> should call me a doctor. That's illegal. But here, I'm just going to talk about the medical accuracies or inaccuracies about this book. And there are plenty to choose from. But for today, <laughs> I'm going to talk about... <laughs> plenty of accuracies to choose from? Inaccuracy. So accurate? Inaccuracy. Oh, in, oh. <laughs> well, today, I'm going to talk about Kara stabbing, because she was stabbed in the heart, and the knife was broken and left in. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they took it out or if they left it in place. But they should definitely keep it in place because the knife is the only thing keeping the blood vessels like closed. Cause if you take it out, then you're going to have a lot of bleeding, especially if it's through the heart. That's. Yeah. I mean, not bad. to be not, I mean, not to be like macabre about things or to steal your segment or whatever, but you JoJo's. know, Steve Irwin died and you, Oh, is that Jojo? I think Jojo's completely. Oh dead. my God. Well, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, but, but you know, remember when Steve Irwin died and he was stung by um, the stingray in his chest, he pulled out the barb. They're saying if he kept in the barb, uh, you know, he would have had a greater chance at living. Uh, so that just goes to, to show that. He looks so, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention because Jojo's here. Come be on the podcast. We're doing a live show. Well, it's, live. Not, it's not live, but it is video. Oh, that's really embarrassing. No. Can you hear her? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll say hi. Hi, Jojo. Hi. Oh, a so guest star. Hi. By the way, the podcast is amazing. Well, we already read out your letter, which said that there were more plot holes than uh, more holes than a colander. More holes than a colander, but that's part of its charm. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you know that leaves something for us to fill in going forward. <laughs> so it's a thing of intrigue, really. I don't take so that as a, as, a, as a critique. I'm so I, sorry that interrupted the whole thing and threw off the pattern of the, oh. I don't know why I licked my lips like that. Um, sorry, Dr. Rudd, to interrupt. I'll be quiet now. Yeah. Oh, I was, the last thing I was going to say, the only time 
it might be beneficial to take it out if it's like also through the lung and causing some like breathing obstruction. But it didn't say that in the chapter, so they didn't you know, see that in the chapter. She could still so be alive, is what you're saying. Yeah, she should. So keep... Clara may have not died. She may have not died, but we don't know who, who's to say. Who's to say? Who's <laughs> to say, really? Well, that is interesting. That is something for the reader to uh, look out for. So maybe it was intentional that we said the blade was left in there. You never know. Was it intentional? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you wrote the chapter, VGT. Were you I'm intending to wrote the chapter? Anything away. They just have to hang on for like another 20 chapters or so. 27, to be precise. Um, okay. Thank you, Dr. Rod. That was fascinating. And a lot more succinct than mine, my segment. Maybe I should oh, be a little less wordy. Maybe you like rehearse these, Veronica. Like, well, I, I you, do and I, you and I rehearse these together before we get on case files. Haven't you? Do you do that? Well, I do. I do. I take notes. I read off of my notes. You have notes? Oh, no. He and I did. Oh, wait. I had notes. I had all the, the messages in a Google Doc. I am prepared. I take this seriously. Not like you guys. Uh, Hubert takes his medical career very seriously. More seriously than as a <laughs> the of the podcast. Guys, speaking of taking things seriously, it is the gold standard of votes now because we've moved on to the best writing vote. I must say best crowbars, like best costume at the Oscars, best acting votes, like, you know, best supporting actress vote. Best writing is the best feature that's, film. That's and this is where the money is. Mm-hmm. Except it's the same number of votes as acting in crowbar so not really yeah but it's the prestige element of it so i'm going to vote i'm not pausing for effect i'm pausing because i don't know yet (laughs) does anyone have a vote i know who i'm gonna vote for okay you go first you go first well i think it should be no surprise given my segment that i am going to vote for huber for this cycle for best writing. Uh, You know, I am a bit of a purist. I look at, you know, the craft and Huber's craft was immaculate. He stayed with one narrator per scene. And for that reason, I will vote for Huber for best writing. So good on you, Huber. Well done, Huber. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Huber, are you gonna say next or should I say next? I feel like you should say next. I should say next? Yes. Um, I mean, just to go along with that, I guess I'll just vote for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to vote for you too, and I was going to like try and cause suspense by having you vote for either Veronica or me and be like, which one will I pick? But fine, yeah, okay, we're all voting for Huber. Okay, great, great. (laughs) You want to say why Huber, or are you just like, I'm fucking amazing? I just want to (laughs) win. I just need to win, guys. It's supposed to be objective. Yeah, hang on. You're disqualified. You lose no, 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 privileges no. to vote for yourself going forward. What? You lose privileges to vote for yourself going forward. No, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> I was just kidding, guys. You know what? I'm going to vote for myself. No, um, I voted. I, I'm voting for Huber because I think sometimes Veronica and I can get a bit verbose. And with me, I just got so boring with like unnecessary description. Veronica, I'm sorry, but I have to fault you for the, the antiquated dialogue of the two children. I'm like, your Thanksgiving dinner won't be very grand, which was just bizarre. Um, and then, oh, is there another guest? Hi! Oh, was it a parent or a it was pet? A, or? Yeah. Oh, um, um, 
they can come on next cycle. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just think Huber kept it simple, kept it edgy, kept it sexy, and did a really good job. That's true. Sexy. <laughs> he made it sexy. He didn't keep it sexy. Yeah, well, and so, the... so good job. Wait, wait, hang on. How did Huber win when he completely changed the identity of a Caroline? Hang on. We just I, to do but, well, you know what? You could change my vote, but I'm sticking by my vote because, as I said, I look at the craft. Okay. All right. Well done, Huber. You, you win. Thank you. Thank okay. you. So we each got a win. Well done. Oh, wait. But, so, okay. But I have a question. Maybe this yes. is a question for the recording, but uh, does, do we, does, does each vote we get like equal one vote in conjunction with what all the viewers vote or how does this work? Okay. So, um, you know how a lot of podcasts have ads for Squarespace? Yeah. So we're going to do the opposite. We're going to roast Squarespace because of the past two goddamn weeks I've been, oh, Huber left. Hello? Nope, there he is. Um, because of the past two weeks I've been fighting with some person on Squarespace because we couldn't edit our site. I finally managed to get the site back. Um, but because for two weeks we didn't technically have a site, I couldn't post a poll. Shall we say tentatively that we will, we are the current winners, but we, will, we are going to have a poll up, guys, for you to fill out for the whole of 2021 until the last episode. So you can come on at any time and maybe swing the vote. Swing it like your Pennsylvania in a presidential election. And let's see if we maintain our positions as in our three-way tie. I don't know. We'll keep a vote for our listeners up until like we finally like tally all the votes. But we have made our votes. As it stands, we're all tied. Okay. That's good. Very good. Okay. Sounds good. That was my anti-ad for Squarespace. Um, it's the final thing on the docket, guys. It's what I like to call surprise fun. You can come up with a catchier name later, but I have a little surprise game for us. Does it have to do with the saltines and prune juice? No, I'm, no. I'm, no. But I am really tempted to eat a saltine. Can I eat one right now? I know we but we're drinking from his water bottle, but we can all take a hydration break right now. So everyone have a drink. Oh my God, that's good. You only eat one and then you need like nine more. Oh, those okay. chewing sounds. I don't like them. Oh, I'm so sorry. You could also just mute. Uh, I guess you can't hear me. <laughs> sorry, what did you say? I was just going to say, you could also just mute yourself. <laughs> mm. I'm not very smart, am I? For a computer science department chair. Um, okay. So my surprise fun, guys, is... Sorry, my thing's tangled now. Oh. My surprise fun. Now, there are many famous trios in history and in pop culture. And so I've got a list of nine trios and I thought it would be fun for us to decide in the trios who we would be. Okay. Oh. As a little game to help people get to know us in our first, you know, case files. Oh, that's so fun. The first, yeah, so the first one I have is um, the Harry Potter trio. I have Harry Potter, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger. And... Okay, so let me just say, Sophia is obviously Harry, because I feel like she, I feel like she is the leader, you know, of the cast, you know, she's 
care of everything for us. She makes sure everything goes according to plan. Well, that's because when we started this, I was like, I know you guys are busy and have a million things to do. So if I promise to do all the boring admin, will you do this with me? I'm, I'm really, I'm really not. But anyway, I think Sophia is the Harry. I feel like she is the leader of men. So there's, there is, uh, there's Sophia. And I'm sorry, Hubert, but I have to make you Ron. He's so Ron. <laughs> Because you're smart and you like chess, but you're also like into food. I'll take it. I'll take it. And Veronica's just like I'm really erudite. Whoever else is there. Hermione, come on. No, you're I very, you're textbook Hermione. I feel like I'm, I'm just Harry by default. Yeah, I like, I like Hermione, so. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know. I was thinking Charlie's Angels, but I know there are like different sets of Charlie's Angels. I was thinking of like the Lucy Leo Cameron Diaz Drew Barrymore trio because that's the one I grew up with. Do you know that? Do you know Charlie's Angels? I don't know Charlie's Angels, but our listeners may. So why don't you go ahead and sort us and Huber too if he knows them? Do you know them, Huber? I know Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I know the two words. <laughs> um, okay, so in Charlie's Angels, there's Drew Barrymore, who's like the badass one who's like really punky and cool. There's Lucy Liu, who is very prim and proper. And then there's Cameron Diaz, who is fun loving and silly, but still kicks ass. Okay. So I feel like, oh, I don't feel like any of us are Drew Barrymore because none of us are really that cool and punky. Um, I feel like Huber's the coolest out of all of us. Like Huber's the one that like does cool stuff. Definitely. Um, so I'd make him Drew Barrymore, even though he's got Cameron Diaz vibes. Um, what is cool stuff? I like, sit in my room and play video games. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty goddamn cool. Um, I do cross-stitch, Huber. <laughs> you know, back when, back when we were allowed to go out, you go out. Yeah, you've, like, t- tasted alcohol. What's it like? You eat you know, gluten. Me this. <laughs> <laughs> what a pious woman. <laughs> um, I think... I think, actually, we're each combinations of two Charlie's Angels. Huber is Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore. Veronica, you're Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu. Oh. Wait, no, we're all just a bit Drew Barrymore. And I'm Lucy... Oh, no, and I'd be Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz. Okay, okay anyway, sure. No one else watches Charlie's Angels. It doesn't really matter. My next one is... Do you guys know Lord of the Rings well? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, Aragon, Gimli, Legolas. Huber, go. <gasps> feel like I'm Gimli. Uh, <laughs> I'll make Huber, Huber uh, Legolas. Yeah, because he's the hot one. No yeah, yeah, to. definitely. Oh, but you're the blonde one. Oh, I do have the long straight I'm, hair, don't I? Yeah. I'm definitely Gimli because I'm the frizzy brunette one. But Aragon is such like a hard ass and such a grump. I don't think he fits any of us. Yeah. I think I would make Vigitiero. <laughs> Okay. Oh, the daddy. <laughs> I, I, I know. Because you've had an emo that. phase, and he's a bit emo. Like, I can't be with Liv Tyler. I'm so sad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Fine, fine, fine. I'll take it. I'm Gimli because I'm like a little shorty, and Huber's legless because he's the fitty. Yeah, and I'll be Aragon then. Fine, fine. Okay. The next one I have, this is my personal favorite Shrek. Shrek, Fiona, Donkey. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Um, my donkey. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I have this one in my head already. Well, actually, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, I see it. Does that make Sophia then Shrek? I think yeah, and I think you're Fiona VPT. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Powerpuff Girls. 
Oh, oh, I want to be the green one. So you're Buttercup. Yeah, Buttercup's a bit angry and doesn't give a shit, which I feel is very I think I'm Bubbles. Yeah, the Bubbles. I didn't like Blossom, though. Well, I guess I don't like myself very much either. I don't think you're Blossom, but I don't think you're Blossom. I mean, I guess that's the only one left over, but... No, my Mojo Jojo. No, no, Huber, which one is she? Because I don't know if you fit into any of them. I could be the professor. Huber, what do you say? You didn't start this all, so... Okay, we'll move past that word. Um, okay, Shrek tries angels. Da, 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 da. Okay, the plastics. So Regina uh-huh. George, um, uh-huh. Gretchen Wieners, and Karen Smith. I think I'm gonna say Huber is Regina George. Oh, well, I was gonna say it was Gretchen. Oh. I was also gonna say Gretchen. Oh, <laughs> he's the one who's always got tea. His hair is full of secrets. Well, I feel like you know he's the most. He's the most tea-filled of us all. And he's also think... the coolest of us all. Oh, true. So I feel like, Veronica, you're Regina. Oh. oh and I'm just a bit I... disorganized and sometimes not very good at stuff, so I thought I'd be Karen. <laughs> I was say I was going to make myself, or what was I going to do? I think I was going to make you Gretchen and I was going to make myself Karen, but oh, we're going all different ways with I this. must say, we... We're not very similar to the plastics. Really not. Um, Yeah, no, there are very few similarities, I think, Mm. between any of us, or between us and the plastics, so. Okay, well, I have three more trios, so maybe we're more similar to these. The three little pigs. The one that built the house out of straw, out of sticks, and out of bricks. (laughs) I was really scraping the barrel by this point. Will be the one who builds out of bricks because he's the most yeah. scientifically minded. He, you know, he knows what a house needs to look like and he gets it done. Uh, what were yeah. the other two? Straw and sticks and straw. Straw is the most useless one. Okay, well maybe sticks and straw. Who I think maybe, okay. Straw. I, I'll do. I'll make myself the straw one because I feel oh. like you are. You know, you're a Renaissance man. I feel like you have you you've studied many things. Um, I don't know, I feel like, because you're always doing projects like in your high school or whatever. But how is this related to building a house? I know, you're always doing projects in your high school and like really involved projects. Like you made a whole movie about Holden Codfield or something, I don't know. We don't need to share that with anyone, Veronica. 2012 was a long time ago. You've done a lot of things, so I'll put you uh, the sticks and I'll make myself the straw. Okay, I don't know what like having many hobbies has to do with sticks, but cheers. I, I think okay. you figure it out. You know, you've you you've dabbled in a lot of disciplines. I think it's more like I think like I saw you. I see people. And I'm like I can do better. Like I see straw, and I'm like I can do better. And then I just build it with sticks, and it still gets blown down. So it's like you're not that good, Sophia. Just because you think you're better than one person doesn't mean that like you're actually successful at anything. Um. Anyways, self roast. <laughs> I have two more trios. This one, I don't tell me if you don't really remember um, Sleeping Beauty. I'm thinking the cartoon version, not the live action version. There's Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, the fairy godmothers. The pink oh, one. Huber, the, Huber is the blue one. The green one. Huber the fat is- one. That's so rude. <laughs> no, because she's like the fat, useless one. Bumbles all over the place, and she's always very like. Well, I thought you'd be Meriwether. Not, not like because she's grumpy or anything, but because she's like, she has a way of doing things and she's like not interested if it's not her way. And I think you're very like, 
I, I really value how you stick to your guns, VGT. Oh, hey. You, you don't want to watch Turbo Snail or whatever that movie is. You don't watch Turbo Snail. But I like, did go, but that's a bad example. I did sit through Turbo Snail, all two oh. hours of it. Oh, it's a long film. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think I'm Flora because I'm a bit like, ooh, ooh, like trying to like organize things, and not, but a bit weak. I'm a bit weak. I, yeah, nobody wants to be the, the red one. She's such a bossy ass. Okay, this is going on far too long, I've realized. Okay, let's just <laughs> so do another make any, Okay, the final one. SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, go. Veronica's Squidward. Oh, okay, Squidward. yeah, I was about to say. Uh, and Huber is Patrick, and you are SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. Okay, that was my surprise fun. Oh, it's Hopefully, fun. Thanks for the viewers know a bit more about their hosts now. What did they, what did they learn about us? That that I'm grumpy, you're the leader, and Huber's a bumble? <laughs> I don't like being the leader. That's such a... Like, no... Uh, anyways, okay. Guys, no. this was... This was fun. I enjoyed our first case files hangout. I did too. And if you enjoyed them, then I'm, by you, I mean the listener, they can stay um, tuned every uh, fourth week, I guess it is. Yeah, every fourth week we'll hop on, do a video case files. And if you haven't already, we've got three quizzes now up on our website. So you can listen to the episode, do the quizzes. You can also start voting. That'll be live on our website now. So vote for your favorite crowbar favorite acting and favorite writing that poll poll yeah will be up until the end of season one so you have time to listen and thank you from the bottom of our hearts truly thank you to our to our many many listeners Mm -hmm. our many listeners all uh spencer lucy jake uh nikki nikki and joanna and michael yeah michael (laughs) that's a lot yeah, maybe you guys get some of your family members to join in because right now it's heavily skewed to my family members, but okay. Okay, maybe my mom will. Well, Huber's they mother can't because she's pious. You never did anything with the saltines and prune juice. You said you what were going to Oh yeah, I had a big reveal. Okay, so I have, oh God, I have these saltines and I have this prune juice and I've been drinking the prune juice, but you may have noticed that while drinking my prune juice, I never needed the bathroom, which is what prune juice tends to make you need. And that's because this isn't prune juice. Oh, I just fire. needed it to look like prune juice. It's Coke. You, you cheat. I was, I was meant to go get prune juice today, but I just didn't go. So I was like, oh my God, I've got the thing. I've got like an hour before these guys wake up and we have to do um, the call. So I think we I need like, to what, revoke like, your points for lying. We'll revoke your points for lying. Drink your Coke in silence. <laughs> it's tastier than prune juice. And I really, I really don't want to give myself like diarrhea effects. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Diarrhea. Sure. Um, so thanks. I, yeah. Anyways, that was the plot twist. Thanks for staying till the end to find that out. I feel cheated. I'm sorry. If there's no difference. You can't, I was worried because there were a few bubbles fizzing and I was like, oh my God, they're going to think I have like fizzy prune juice. But no, you guys didn't even care to look up. Also, well, thanks you know, for but we shouting. trusted you. We trusted you. That's why we didn't think we'd have to look back closely. That's right. Eat your saltine.
I'm gonna make chewing noises that'll make you uncomfortable. Then I'm going to hang up. This is a good okay. place to end. Okay, Goodbye. thanks for listening. Thanks Check for out artbretrejects.com and all our socials. La 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 la. Okay, bye guys. I'm gonna go to bed now.